You're listening to The Tax Herd with Big Mac. Let's get started. Ah, here we go on a Wednesday. For all those who may be listening, this is The Tax Herd with Big Mac. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We are fortunate to be joined by two guest speakers, Newton Greyhound and Wilbert Poindexter. And I'm your host, Big Mac. We're going to discuss a popular tax issue in the world today of the tax implications of daily fantasy sports. This is an increasingly popular topic that is being debated throughout the tax world. As the legalization of sports betting becomes more and more mainstream, the Internal Revenue Code needs to be analyzed to determine the tax consequences of this topic. There are lots of ins and outs that go along with whether this is considered wagering or skill-based or how this needs to be reported as a result. We're going to delve into this issue to provide some clarity to everyone listening to this podcast. Newton, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast and allow your expertise on this issue to be heard by our listeners. To start off, we're going to get you to introduce some basic background information on what daily fantasy sports is for those who may or may not be as familiar with this topic. Thank you, Big Mac. Please, call me Newt. I'm glad to be here today, and I'm looking forward to getting to discuss this topic with you and Wilbert. I think we're really going to be able to provide some insight about this topic to those who might be unaware, and hope that everyone listening leaves this podcast with a strong understanding of daily fantasy sports, and specifically, how this relates to tax. But first, I'm going to give a brief overview on what Daily Fantasy Sports is. Daily Fantasy Sports is now a $7 billion industry, and there are 59 million people playing fantasy sports in the United States and Canada combined. There are many different sites that allow people to participate in fantasy sports, with the majority of the market share being dominated by DraftKings and FanDuel. But there are many other sites that allow people to participate as well. These websites provide hundreds of different contests from a multitude of sports for people to play. These contests include, but are not limited to, picking players throughout a certain sport, such as the NFL, and betting money on trying to pick players that will generate the best lineup on a given day. The key difference between traditional fantasy sports and daily fantasy sports is that this form of fantasy involves the contest taking place in the matter of a few hours or a few days, as opposed to the course of an entire season. Based on the selected athlete's performance in those certain games, the person placing the bet is subject to winning or losing prize money. The quicker style of fantasy sports has really become popular as people can play in different contests on any given day, allowing them to engage in this continuously and find out the results quickly. For example, one of the most popular platforms for daily fantasy sports that I mentioned earlier, DraftKings, allows you to build and submit your team right up until the start of the game. The results are then posted at the end of the day, and any earnings that are made are available shortly after the games end for the day. Thank you, Newton, for providing some background on this industry and helping everyone get caught up to speed on the basics of what daily fantasy sports is. We are lucky to be joined today by Wilbert as well, another individual with lots of knowledge on this topic. Wilbert, good to see you. Sounds like this has recently become a much more popular means of fantasy sports. Can you provide some more information to our listeners on the timeline of the legality and the rise of daily fantasy sports? Big Mac, it's an honor to be here with you and Newton today in front of our listeners. Yes, as you mentioned, it really is remarkable how quickly the platform has grown in popularity and how quickly the industry continues to boom and increase in revenue. 
Much of this increase has come as a result of states legalizing sports wagering. In fact, until 2018, traditional sports betting was illegal in the United States, and the question of whether fantasy sports fell into this category was hotly debated. Today, however, the vast majority of states have explicitly legalized daily fantasy sports, and those online platforms are increasing in number, participants on each site, and the total winnings awarded these players. Here's a little background on the rise of the two specific sites, FanDuel and DraftKings. FanDuel was created in 2009, and DraftKings followed similar suit in 2012. A key turning point in the industry focused in April 2013 when Major League Baseball invested in DraftKings, becoming the first U.S. professional sports organization to invest in daily fantasy sports. In November 14, the NHL and NBA entered into sponsorship deals with DraftKings, and the NFL followed suit in April of 15. Wow, that really is amazing how quickly the platform of daily fantasy sports has grown in the United States. Thank you, Wilbert. Now we're going to get more into what our listeners really came to hear. Newton, can you provide a little background on the tax impact of daily fantasy sports? Seriously, Big Mac, call me Newton. But yeah, in order to understand the role the tax kid plays in this scenario, it's important to first establish the four classifications that daily fantasy sports can fall into for tax reasons. These include being treated as prizes from contests, gambling or wagering, income from a hobby, or as a professional for-profit trade or business activity. Wilbert and I will provide further support for where daily fantasy sports should fall and the tax implications that each of the classifications could have. Thank you, Newton. By laying out these possibilities into these four possible classifications, I think it will really help help make it easier to follow. Since you're an expert at losing money, and also know a thing or two about tax code. Will you tell us about the details of classifying these earnings as skill-based versus gambling? <laughs> nice one, Big Mac. A large component of the treatment of daily fantasy sports earnings is whether competitions are considered skill-based or gambling. This is a very interesting debate, and I'm going to bring up a couple different reasons for support on each side. Under the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act of 2006, sports wagering was outlawed but an exclusion was put in place specifically for fantasy sports. In addition, under paragraph 26 in the ruling of Dew Becker v. Wu, the Supreme Court of Illinois decided that daily fantasy contests are considered skill-based. On the other side of the argument, some experts are pointing to this betting considered gambling. Support for this centers on the fact that daily fantasy sports are played on websites that are also operate as large sports books. The nature of losing the entire entry fee of a certain daily fantasy sports contest compares similarly to losing an entire wager when gambling on sports. Finally, the tax treatment of the earnings does not necessarily have to identify directly to the legal classification of the contest. Now we are going to get into each of the four classifications that Newton mentioned earlier. I'll start with the prizes from contest classification. Wilbur, can you tell me more about what tax implications there would be if this fell into the prize category? Sure, Big Matt. The IRC discusses the tax implications of prizes under IRC Section 74A and requires the inclusion in gross income of all amounts received as prizes and awards and lists several specific inclusions for what prizes should be included with, one of those being awards and contests of all types. Therefore, all prize money would need to be included in gross income under Section 74A. Additional guidance regarding the deductibility of entry fees is discussed under Revenue Ruling 55638. This ruling allows for the cost of the entry fee to be deducted net of prize money won. 
This only applies as a return of capital on winning tickets, and all losing entry fees are non-deductible. Though unable to be cited as precedent, the IRS takes a similar stance in a private letter ruling on the deductibility of entry fees in the contest of skills such as checkers, mahjong, or in golf. They determine that they can only be netted on winning entries, and losing entry fees are non-deductible. These online games of skill parallel our online fantasy contest. Thanks. That is very useful information about how the tax law treats prizes. Newton, could you tell us more about how the IRC deals with the second classification mentioned before of gambling or wagering? Yeah. IRC Section 165D deals with wagering losses and determines that wagering transactions shall be allowed only to the extent of the gains from such transactions. If daily fantasy sports does in fact fall into the category of gambling transactions, then any of these gambling losses can be deducted to the extent of gambling winnings in 165D. This is allowed to be combined with all other gambling winnings and losses from other types of wagering. Through 2025, gambling deductions can also include other costs related to the transactions. This could include any subscriptions to databases or sports magazines that can help influence fantasy decisions, and as far as a potential cost of a home office dedicated to fantasy sports. And Big Mac, no one calls me Newton but my mama. Please just call me Newt. Thank you, Newton. I'll have to look into getting a home office for my fantasy sports. Now we will get into the third classification that describes the situation where daily fantasy sports winnings and losses are treated as income or losses from a hobby. Wilbert, what does the tax guidance say about this scenario? Yeah, Big Mac. The important point to be analyzed for this is what the IRC says is considered for-profit or hobby. Treasury Regulation 1.1832 states that the manner in which the taxpayer carries on the activity is the key determination that needs to be made. Some of the criteria that help show the manner that the taxpayer carries on the activity are the expertise of the tax taxpayer or his advisors, the time and effort expended by the taxpayer in carrying on the activity, the expectation that assets used in the activity may appreciate in value, the success of the taxpayer in carrying on other similar or dissimilar activities, the taxpayer's history of income or losses with respect to the activity, the amount of occasional profits, if any, which are earned, the financial status of the taxpayer, and the elements of personal pleasure or recreation. If daily fantasy sports falls into this classification, then the IRC has rules in place, place regarding the deductibility of any potential losses. Thus, the deductibility of hobby losses are considered a miscellaneous deduction under IRC Section 67. However, the TCJA added 67G to Public Law 115.97 in 2017, which temporarily disallowed all miscellaneous deductions from 2018 to 2025. Thanks, that's really interesting information. This is certainly a very popular tax topic that the regulations are continuing to update with the times. Now on to the fourth classification you mentioned, Newton. Can you tell me about what happens if daily fantasy sports is considered a professional or for-profit trade or business activity? Whatever, Big Mac. You can call me Newton. The guidance under IRC 183D would apply under this scenario. If the Daily's fantasy sports player is turning a profit more often than not, then this activity could be classified as a trade or business, as discussed in Section 183D. The rule of thumb in practice is that if there is net income from the activity for three years out of the previous five, then it can be des designated as for-profit. 
This will allow for all deductions applicable to a normal business to be deducted as referenced in 162A. This would include the whole cost of all business transactions. The player could also potentially get deductions for a home office if there is a fully dedicated space. All related costs, including travel and 50% of meals related to the business of participating in these fantasy sports contests, would be deductible. Wow, I would have never considered all this. That's all we have for today's podcast. Thanks everyone for joining us today, and we hope that everyone listening learned more about this topic. If anyone has any further questions, be sure to reach out, and we'll be happy to discuss them further in a future podcast if we are fortunate to have these two guests back. Yep, Big Mac, thanks for having us. Anytime. Yeah, Big Love Mac. Love to be back on the show. Big Mac, I really appreciate it, man. Just call me Newt. This is your host, Big Mac, signing off. Tonight you look so pretty, yes you do. Time's great.